Let's open our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 1. So Thanksgiving is over and season of Advent uh, begins. It seems, you know, you turn around and before you know it, it's here. And you go, how many days do I have left before Christmas? And then it all piles up for us. Well, there are certain songs that we sing only this time of year. And, and you know, I, I really like them. I don't know about you, but I really like this time of year in the sense that we get to sing certain songs that we don't sing throughout the rest of the year. And, and those songs are, are perhaps some of the richest theological songs that we sing because they point us to the coming of Christ. They point us about to the event that happened there. They point us and direct our attention and our hearts right there to the, to the manger scene, right there to the coming of Christ, right there to the incarnation where God... The Son of God leaves the throne and comes into this world. It's the person of our Lord Jesus Christ has come to earth. So for the next couple of weeks, we are going to look at the first Christmas carols. The first four Christmas carols that were ever written, and they are found in the first chapters of the Gospel of Luke. And they each have a name, and we're familiar with them because there are only so many passages that we deal with in December. And, you know, so you're, you're going to hear these, and, and you know them, you're familiar with them. And they are the first Christmas carols, and they are songs of joy, basically, in response to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, it begins a tradition of songs that have, have gone on throughout all eternity. And, and or, or, or since for the last 2,000 years, there are these tunes and these songs that come that, that point us to Christ. Now, when I was growing up, there was a uh, game show, and some of you will remember this. It was called Name That Tune. Anybody remember Name That Tune? Okay, and, and what would happen is you get some contestants together, and um, uh, I forget who the host was. There were only so many hosts for game shows, you know, because you've got to have that personality. And, and they would give a hint, and then each contestant would bid. Well, I can name that tune in six notes. Six notes. Well, I can name that tune in five notes. And then if you, it's like um, a game of bluff. If you think that person is bluffing, you would turn to them and say, well, name that tune. And the pianist or whoever would be. Isn't that where Kathy, uh, what's her face, got her start? You know, Kathy, what's her face? Uh, Gifford. Yeah, Gifford got her start, yeah. Uh, she, had, she would sing some, and, and other times they would play. And, and, and they would give you then four or five notes, and you had to name that tune. Well, we're going to play Name That Tune this month, and, and I'm going to give you a hint about a certain song, and, and, and they're going to get harder. We're going to start easy. But they're going to get harder as we go along, and, and I'm going to see if you can actually name the Christmas carol. So I've given you a hint already. It's going to be within the Christmas carol. This first one was written by Isaac Watts, and it's a paraphrase of the last half of Psalm 98. I gave you three notes. Oh, okay. I told you it was going to be easy. Joy to the world, joy to the world. Okay, these are the easy ones. The next one was written by Wesley, and in its original form, it included the word Welkin. Welkin. 
I'll give you three notes. Hark the Herald, you just sang that one. And uh, it, it's, it, it's like uh, uh, welcome. Welcome means evening or star, something like that. Okay, one more for us, one more for us. This hint is going to be harder for you. Uh, if those were easy, this is going to be hard. It was first published in 1849, and it's an emphasis on the social implications of angels. Came upon. Okay, there you go. You didn't know that it was about the social implications of angels. Okay, but it came upon a midnight clear, the oracle song of old, that angels come and declare the things of Christ. And this is one of the works of, of the angels coming. So uh, we're going we're gonna to play this game in a theological sense uh, throughout Advent. So, so because, you know, I think we have lost, uh, most of us, I don't want want to say this without making those that it applies to feel old. But most of us of a certain age can sing at least the first and sometimes the second verse. Some can sing all the verses of the Christmas carols, but there's an entire group that can't sing any of them. They can sing, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. But they cannot sing Joy to the World, okay? They cannot sing all the verses of Silent Night. Silent Night, Holy Night. And then they, da, 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 because they can't do the rest, okay? Because those things have gone out of our minds of a certain age. Well, as we look at these songs from the Gospel of Luke, these first four Christmas carols over the next couple weeks, we're going to be reminded of the great theological depth that is there in each of these carols, okay? in each of these carols. So if you were able, please stand with me, and I will read from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. This is known as the Magnificat. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, Remind us, Lord, of this great gift of Jesus Christ. Remind us of the faith of this young girl and and all that she faced, but yet she was faithful and clung to the things that she had been taught and the things that she knew about you. We pray that you would open our eyes to your word, that it would dwell in our hearts in the same way that Christ does. We ask it in his name. Amen. So Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and following. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and his offspring forever. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated.
There are certain theological things that seem, for whatever reason, almost too great for words, poetry, or, or prose, that they almost cry out for song, that, that, that they cry out that they be expressed. The things that God has done need to be expressed in singing, because in singing there is this, this, this joy that comes out of our hearts. Whether you can carry a tune in a bucket or not doesn't matter. It is the singing and the proclamation of what the Lord has done and the joy that comes from that. So it seems that singing is the best vehicle for the proclamation of the coming of Christ. So how could a girl who's, who's so young and life would never be the same for her, how could she sing such a song as this? How could she sing something that would last for the rest of eternity about the coming of the Christ child and how the Lord had blessed her in this? For there's a lot of glory in this message. There's a lot of glory that the angels have brought to, to communicate to her, but there's difficulty and there's trial here too. Okay, there's there's life is never going to be the same for this young girl, and it's just not going to be something simple like, well, now I'm going to have a child to care for. No, in this culture, she would be ostracized, she might even be killed because it was assumed that she had committed adultery, and and, and we know that. Even Joseph thought about that for a little bit until the Lord came to him in a vision through an angel and communicated to him. So it's important for us to to understand that Mary is pouring out a song of thanksgiving. A song of thanksgiving. And and we kind of think that that would be a natural thing. Hey, the Lord has come to her, said you're going to bear the Son of God, the Messiah, the one that has been pointed to and been awaited for by, by the nation of Israel for generations and generations, you're going to have that task. You're going to be the bearer of hope for, for all of Israel. Now, why don't you think that would make your heart thankful? Why shouldn't she be happy? But yet there are these tough circumstances that she has to deal with as well. So Mary pours out this song of praise. And remember, Mary in this song is not focused on herself. Who is she focused on? It's all about the Lord here. It's all about what the Lord has done, that he has fulfilled his promises again and again and again. So we we can look at her song and we can learn about the God who has chosen her to bear his son in this world. So she begins to pour out her song, basically about the saving grace of the Lord, saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now there are two ways that you magnify something, right? All you... Scientists, medical people, you understand this in particular. You get a microscope and you take something that is very small and you look through the microscope and it looks big. Or the other way to magnify something is through a telescope. You take a telescope and look at something that is far away but looks small because it is so far away. And when you see it, you see it in its size. I I was walking through the neighborhood uh, a while back. And this guy around the corner had this telescope, and it was about this thick, that, that, about that big around, and about that long. And as I'm walking by, and I'm walking by with a dog, and he says, hey, you want to see the moon? And I said, sure, because I, frankly, I had never looked at the moon through a telescope before. And, and I could see the mountain ranges on the moon with this telescope. And this is one that he just bought at the store. You know, this was not an observatory telescope. I was just so shocked at the clarity 
that I could see on the surface of the moon by this telescope. That's what it means to magnify the Lord. You bring what seems to be far away right up in front of you so that you can see it in all of its clarity. Now, one of the problems that that humans have is we like to make God a little bit smaller than he is and like to make us a little bit bigger than we are. Because if God is smaller, then his requirements on our lives seem a little bit easier to handle. But if God in, is seen in, his, in all reality, and we look at his word for what it says, the requirements that he places upon us, the expectations as his chosen people are great. I mean, we are called to lives of holiness, and, and frankly, people don't want to live those lives of holiness. We would rather reduce God and magnify man. John the Baptist, not long after this happened, said what? I must decrease and he must increase. See, that's the way it has to be. When Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord, she understands this is the great God that that I have heard about and, and, and been taught all my life, the God of all creation. He has come to me. I have to be less. He must become greater than me. The bigger your God is, the deeper your joy is. The bigger your God is, the deeper your joy will be. Mary's going to teach us five or six things, and I've gathered them from a variety of places. And the first thing that Mary is going to teach us here is the importance of knowing Scripture. The importance of knowing Scripture. In this song, Mary pours out in response to what Elizabeth says, scripture after scripture after scripture. Look at verse 43. Or or really, let's go back to 39. Chapter 1, verse 39. Now at this time Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, uh, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? See, this is one of those miraculous things that happened. The child within her, who is John the Baptist, leapt within the womb when Mary walked in. Elizabeth has some understanding for however it happens that she is the Mary is the bearer of the Son of God. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. So Elizabeth is acknowledging something to Mary that the angel had told to her. But the thought of this really just simply overwhelms Mary. I mean, she's moved to begin to praise the Lord. So phrase after phrase after phrase comes from Scripture. What passages does she allude to? Mary alludes to passages from Psalm 103, Psalm 22, Psalm 44, Psalm 89, Psalm 98, Psalm 147, Psalm 25, 1 Samuel chapter 2, 2 Samuel, Isaiah, and Job. 
all, these are all alluded to in the Magnificat here. Now, what does that tell you about Mary? And the girl knew some scripture. Okay, the girl knew some scripture. She had it memorized. It was steeped in her life. I mean, she had taken it into, not just memorized it, but she had taken it into her heart. Her first response to this news from Elizabeth is what? Let me go through and quote some scripture about what the Lord has done again and again and again. Obviously, along the line, Mary had memorized a lot of scripture in her life. And when her hour of need came, the word of God just flowed right out of her. It just flowed right out of her. She didn't go, holy cow, is that really what's happening to me? No, she said, why should the Lord my God come and visit me in this way? Why should he exalt me in this way? I am just a humble servant of the Lord. Mary knew that being the bearer of Christ was going to come with its dangers. She knew that this was, as I said, going to change her life forever. She was in a culture, in a religion where this was really frowned upon. As I said, we know from other Gospels that Joseph was going to put her away quietly because he was an honorable man, but the angel came to him and said, No, don't do that, Joseph. What she carries is from the Lord. And her knowledge of Scripture here enables her to understand what the Lord is doing and to, in a sense, survive it. But not just survive it and go, I'm, just, I'm going to make it through day by day. No, but to exalt the Lord in the midst of all of this as well. For those in whom God's grace resides, for those in whom faith lives, they love to think about the Word of God. They love to dwell in the Word of God. They love to hear it preached. They love to hear it taught. They love to read it themselves. They love to spend time alone with the Lord. And you see this in what Mary has done. Love for the Word of God is one of the marks of grace that is within an individual's life. So if, if you look at your own life and go, oh, I just, I just don't, I'm not into the, reading the Word. I just don't like it that much. You know, I listen to Christian music on the radio, but that's about as far as my devotional life goes. You better examine your devotional life a little bit more. You better love the Word of God. Do you remember the question we dealt with mm, a couple times? What do you think about when you aren't thinking about anything? What do you think about when you aren't thinking about anything? Now, maybe you're the type of person where stuff just runs through your mind all the time and, and you never think about nothing. But maybe you're the type of person just kind of can, can sit and vegetate and, and, in a sense, not think about anything, but your mind is still working and, and still dwelling on things. What comes to your mind the first time somebody surprises you with something? What comes to your mind when you are in a crisis or the first thoughts in your mind or when times are really tough? What comes to your mind right out of it? Is it the things of God's word or is it panic or is it how can I fix this? See, the first things that come to Mary's mind are scripture passages. The first things that come to Mary's mind are look at what the Lord has done. They are not Mom is going to kill me. All right? Or Joseph, he's going to put me out. Or, man, if I go back to the synagogue and tell them this story, they are not going to believe it, and they're going to think that I've just gone off the edge, and, and I, they might even take me out and stone me. No. She says, my soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. 
for he has regarded my humble estate. My, and she says, I am a bond servant of the Lord. Now, remember, we talked about this in Sunday school. There are three ways that you could be a servant. You could be captured in war and become a slave. You could, because of your debts, be sold into slavery. Or you could purposely and voluntarily become a servant of someone else. And to do that, you would get your ear pierced and you'd put it on the door frame, actually put your ear on the door frame. They would take an awl, not a little pin like the ear piercing place, but an awl, which is a punch, and go boom, and your ear would be pierced, showing that you were voluntarily submitting yourself to the service of this individual. That's what Mary says. I am a bond servant of the Lord. So what do you think about when, when your Elizabeth comes, okay? When you're just sitting there and all of a sudden, boom, it happens. Does your mind go to the things of the Lord or someplace else? So Mary's mind was steeped in Scripture. Second, and you'll see this especially in the first couple verses here, that Mary is humble. My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondservant. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Mary understood that she needed a savior. Mary does not say, you know, I was so close to the Lord. I was just kind of waiting for this day to happen. Because I knew that if I filled my mind with enough scripture, he would do something special in my life. Mary does not say that. She says, what? why would the Lord come and do this in my life? Why would he have any regard for me? She calls herself, in a sense, a willing, permanent servant of the Lord. This has been the state of her life from as long as she can remember. It, she has not filled her mind with Scripture in the hope that the Lord would do something fantastic with her. She has filled her mind with Scripture because she was humble and she knew her place before the Lord. That she was unworthy, but yet the Lord has done this action here. The great Puritan Thomas Watson said, A man has just as much Christianity as he has humility. Humility is the highest grace that can adorn Christian character. When we're given a position of responsibility and even influence and power, it tests our humility. When we're seeking to love other Christians and we're treated badly by them, even our desire to do them good tests our humility. You have just as much Christianity as you have humility. Mary comes through with flying colors here. She would not state it, but we can talk about her and say, she's got a lot of humility. She's fantastic here because she understands her position before the Lord. Second was humility. Third is thanksgiving. Over and over and over again, we find in this passage hints of thanksgiving. My soul exalts the Lord. He has blessed me. He has done great things for me. His mercy is clear generation after generation after generation. He's done mighty deeds. He's exalted those who are humble. He has filled those who are hungry. He has given help to Israel. She gives thanksgiving for what the Lord has done. Not just to her, but in times past. And we'll see this in just a second. 
She knows the things that the Lord has promised and what the Lord has done and how those things are being fulfilled in what the Lord has said to her. Now, remember, there hasn't been any message from the Lord in, what, almost 500 years here. From the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, there has not been a prophet that has brought the word of the Lord to the people of Israel. Things have been silent. There's been no, in fact, there's been no independent nation of Israel for some 500 years. They've been under the Roman rule or somebody else's rule all this time. Mary does not focus on those things and say, finally, Lord, you've gotten it together and made it happen. doesn't say that. Wow, this is what the Lord is going to do. Let's give thanks to the Lord. J.C. Ryle says, let us rise from our beds every morning with a deep conviction that we are debtors and that every day we have more mercy than we deserve. That's thankfulness. More mercy than we deserve. Fourth, let's look at verse 50. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty things. He has scattered the enemy. And it goes on and on and on to the end of the psalm. Mary knows the history of what God has done. Mary knows, again, this goes back to her mind being steeped in Scripture. She knows that God is the covenant God. He is faithful when he makes a promise, when he makes a covenant with his people. He will see it to completion. And she sees the message that has come to her and what has happened to her as the fulfillment of God's covenant promises. Mary is a pretty good theologian here. Okay, She is, is looking back and going, this is what God promised to do. This is how he is fulfilling it. Okay, You think of the history that Mary looks back on and all the patriarchs and all the prophets and all those things. And she is standing or, or resting on or walking in the footsteps of all those who have gone before her. And she sees that as the fulfillment. I mean, think about in our local location right here. This church has a history of some 200 years. Think of the footsteps that we walk in, the people that have gone before us, the great men and women of faith who, who made decisions and made sacrifices and took stands that enabled us to be here. I mean, there'll be a day when we'll stand before the Lord and we'll get to see those people again and rejoice in what they have done and and. And hopefully we'll get, to, in some sense, to look back and see who's walking in our footsteps. And, and we have to understand the faithfulness of our Heavenly Father. And that's what Mary does. She looks back and says, yeah, the Lord started here and he's gone to here and here and he's been faithful. And here is the fulfillment of those promises in the coming of the Messiah. And then fifth, go to the end, verse 45 or 54. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Mary understands that not only is this the God who created everything and made everything and and keeps those promises, but she's the God, he's the God who understands her heart as well. He's the God of all the universe who is a personal God as well. He's given help to Israel. He's given remembrance. She's talking about the covenant of God with Abraham. She's saying that the promises that God made to Abraham are being fulfilled in the bringing of 
her son into the world. So Mary is linking the promises made to Abraham with the promises that God has made to her and the fulfillment in her child. Mary knew, as I said, knew her theology and knew that God had a single plan. This is a single plan that is being fulfilled in her. And this plan goes back from before Genesis chapter 3. This plan goes back into all eternity. That God's plan was to bring his son into the world to give his life to pay for our sin. She knew that God had spoken to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. She knew all of those things. So when the angel said, God is going to do this through you... She immediately links this event with all that God has done before, with all that he has done before. Her focus is really upon the covenant faithfulness of our Lord. So I don't want you to think that this birth, the birth of Christ is some, uh, some isolated incident where the Lord just says, oh, I'm going to have to do this, so I'm going to pick somebody and do it. No, Mary understood what the Lord had been doing throughout all of history to bring it to completion in the child that the Lord had just said, you are going to bear my son and you'll call his name Jesus. So Mary sings this song in praise to our Heavenly Father, stating the reality of the coming of the Christ child. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we have so much to sing about, so much to give you thanks. And these things are, are, are rich because we see you at work in these. We see you fulfilling your promises. We see you who, have, who, who never change. That, that, yes, of course, this is the way that you would act because you have made these promises. You have said you would never leave us or forsake us. You said you would bring these things to fulfillment. Lord, we're grateful for this young girl whose mind and heart was filled with your word, who understood her position before you, who gave you thanks, who gave you praise, who was willing to do what you called her to do because she was prepared to do it. Heavenly Father, as we look at our own lives, especially in these coming weeks, as as we head up to Christmas. What is it that you've called us to do? And are we prepared? Do we have a love for your word? Do do we fill our minds and hearts on a regular basis with what it says? Do we give you praise and thanksgiving for even the very difficult things that come into our hearts? Are we humble before you? Are we relying upon your gifts and your graces? And do they show in our lives? We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.